Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, where I have with me cosplayer Mangaloo, who has cosplayed Tiny Tina and Fiona from Borderlands, Hollow Pearl from Steven's Universe, a Mudkip from Pokemon, and what she's sort of known for, which is Ruby Rose from Ruby, as well as Little Sister from Bioshock, to name a few. So thank you for being on the podcast. Hello! Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am super excited to be interviewing you back when I first saw your Ruby Christmas cosplay back at Anime USA. I wanted to have you on. So what I'm curious about, to, I guess, start and give everybody a starting point, how did you initially get into cosplay? Funny story, it was actually peer pressure. A long while back, I think it was like five years ago, my friends were like, hey, there's this local con. It's called KatsuCon. And I think that you would have a lot of fun at it. Like, we should all go together and check out this con and at first I was kind of like iffy about it because I've never been to a con before I didn't even know what cosplay was at the time so then they decided to convince me by telling me that I could dress up as a Pokemon trainer so I love Pokemon I grew up with Pokemon so that was a really appealing idea so I think it was that week that we decided that we were gonna do it I went into my closet and pulled out a whole bunch of stuff for like a custom Pokemon Pokemon trainers. So I just looked at the color scheme that Pokemon trainers typically have, which are usually primary colors, and just threw this random Pokemon trainer together. So when it came to the con, I didn't think that the con was going to be something that I was going to fall in love with, but Con is known for its cosplays, so there are gorgeous cosplays. People in, like, huge ball gowns, and they have cool giant weapons, scythes, and all these really cool things, and I just found it to be a really awesome place to especially express your nerdiness for certain fandoms, which was what I was personally looking for, especially during those years that I first started cosplaying. Like, I needed a space to express how nerdy I was, and cosplay and conventions were definitely the home for that, and I just fell in love with it, and I haven't looked back since. And now to talk about KatsuCon a little bit, was that your first cosplay, or was that your first official cosplay, or where was your first official cosplay in the scheme of things? Just to give everybody a really good starting point here. I would definitely say my first cosplay was that Pokemon trainer. Technically, it was that costume because I didn't really know about cosplay before that whole convention. But when I learned what cosplay was, well, the first closet cosplay was the Pokemon trainer. Then I did Liz and Patty Thompson from Soul Eater. That one was a little bit more intense. That's when I actually built a few things, more so like a modified costume. So I just took some jeans from my closet and some strips of fabric and put stripes on it and like made the hat. But when people ask what was my first costume. I think the first costume that I was most proud of was my Skyrim Nightingale, which I did a year later from that first cosplay con experience at KatsuCon five-ish years ago. And that was a costume that essentially built entirely from scratch, which was very interesting considering that the costume was so challenging because I had to relearn how to sew and not just sew something simple like cotton, but I had to sew pleather. And pleather is the worst thing you could sew ever, especially if it's super stretchy. So... I would definitely say that was probably my biggest first cosplay. And now we're going to dive into some of them. And I'm very curious, when you're creating a cosplay, what influences and what draws you to characters? Mostly personality. I definitely look at the personality of a character. I try to see who I relate to more. For instance, Tiny Tina drew me because she was so crazy and wild. And I just love that about her. And plus, she was hilarious. In Borderlands 2, she has tea parties and she invites 
bandits, and she essentially kills them. She is insane. Same goes for Ruby. Ruby's personality is essentially the same thing as my personality, so I felt like I could easily connect to her and get into character like that. It's what I can do super quick and easy. So definitely personality, and character design does draw me to certain characters. I tend to like characters that have a lot of details, because I like challenges. I like to push myself to see what I can do. So if I have a character that's something like the Nightingale, which is super intricate detail, it's got all types of crap all over it, I need to do this. This is my thing. And now you're drawn to this character, you gotta do this character. Walk me through the different steps you take in planning out the cosplay. I believe research is the most important phase of cosplay creation. I spend a lot of time looking up references, looking at who else has made the costume so I can get more references from them, get different materials, testing out materials. There's a lot that goes on before I even start the project. So I essentially plan out what I want to do before I start to buy the materials and really get my hands on that costume. Once, of course, I have it all planned, that's when I go piece by piece. Sometimes I like to work down and up. So like, for instance, I would start with the shoes, then I'd do the knee pads and the skirt and the top, and I do piece by piece, and I just perfect each one before I move on to the next piece. I just take it step by step, look up things that I would find useful for techniques that I can try. There's a lot that goes into the creation of a costume and props as well. But I think the research is probably the most important stage of the entire thing, which is why I do so much of it. Ah! And now you got all that figured out. One of the biggest challenges that cosplayers face is A, gathering materials, and then Mm -hmm. B, balancing the costs of those materials. As I don't think it's a secret to anybody out there that fabrics... Wigs in particular, I know, can be extremely expensive. Accessories mm-hmm. can be difficult to find and can also be expensive. What is your strategy and how do you go about balancing the costs associated with all of this? Well, let's be real. Cosplay can be cosplay. Ha <laughs> get it? Cosplay? Oh, God, funny. But with cost of cosplay, my cosplays, depending on what they are, they tend to range from 300 to around 600 $700, depending on what I'm making and how much I have to put into it. Certainly, cosplay can be expensive, although I personally pull budgeted out with my life balance. I don't do a lot besides cosplay, so I tend to have that money left to cosplay. Plus, I do things, for instance, I run workshops, and I get money there, so that helps pay for my supplies as well. But some people don't get sometimes is cosplay doesn't really have to be cosplay, like spending a lot of money, because you can do it with a small budget. I've seen amazing costumes built with cardboard and random, like, toys and stuff that you could find around the house. Heck, my ruby bracers, plot twists, they are actually made of cereal boxes and cheap leather at Joanne's Fabric. So I got them pretty cheap and they look pretty great for how much money I actually spent on them. So really, you don't have to spend a whole lot to cosplay. You can look around your house and find things like old shirts. You can like tear up shirts and make cute little things for your costume. For instance, I'm working on Bunny Ruby right now. I have a lot of white collared work shirts that I don't use. So I'm going to rip one up, take the sleeves off because it's supposed to be sleeveless for the Bunny Ruby from Mojo Jo, Jo 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 Jo, Isupa. But I'm going to repurpose the sleeves and make the little poofy thing around the Bunny Ruby neck. And I'm essentially going to spend nothing on that costume because I have a bunch of random things that I can make it work. So you really don't have to spend that much to cosplay, which is nice. And speaking about Ruby, 
because I think Ruby is a perfect example for this next question. You tend to use a lot of props in your cosplays and you do them well. How do you go about dealing with that and dealing with your props, both in developing as well as dealing with props at conventions? as things can get a little tricky. I love props. Like I have a huge thing for props. I know with one of my costumes, with my Tina one specifically, I think I have seven props with it, which is ridiculous. But I really like props because it helps me with posing. There's a billion things you can do with different things and the props just kind of help come up with ideas. But something that you need to know with props, like you mentioned trickiness for conventions. The biggest thing you'd have to be aware of if you have that many props or if you bring your prop in general to a con. You want be aware of what are the prop guidelines. For instance, I just went to KatsuCon and one of their policies is that bows cannot be strung because that would be something that could potentially shoot a projectile. So for my Nightingale, I made it purposely so it doesn't have the bits to allow it to be strung so nobody could question it. And I didn't include the string at all. I think it's very important to be aware of the guidelines, especially when you're building a prop specifically for a con that you're going to be going to and you plan on bringing this prop to because there's nothing worse than going to a con with this prop that you spend so much time on and you go to prop checked and they're like, no, we can't take it because it's based off a Nerf gun and you didn't remove the trigger because that's pretty sad and it sucks, but safety first. It's better to be safe and read the guidelines beforehand while you're making the prop so you can accommodate for what's needed to keep the con safe. And now to totally change gears here, because I just want to dive right into some of your cosplays. So I want to touch upon Soul Eater. I believe it was with your sister. Yeah, it was. We did Liz and Patty Thompson. So what was the inspiration for this? Well, I love this series. I thought it was the funniest series ever. And I really connected with Liz and Patty, mostly because they were sisters. And me and Labanac were both sisters. So we were like, what if we cosplayed these two characters? That would be pretty great. And it wouldn't be super hard. We seriously just need to buy the tube top, make the hat and the tie and add some stripes to the pants. Like we do that pretty quickly. So we decided let's do it. Let's also rope in a death the kid. So we also had a death the kid for both times that we did Soul Eater. We did the regular version and we eventually did a swimsuit version, which we thought would be a cool take from the original design. I like the character. They're both sisters. We have a fun time cosplaying them. We got a giraffe tube for Patty because she likes giraffes. So we had a lot of fun. Uh, I love talking about swimsuits and bikinis. What was the inspiration for this? Because obviously it wasn't in Soul Eater. Oh no, it was definitely not in Soul Eater. I think what inspired me was I occasionally saw people take cosplay and take a canon character and make a swimsuit design for them. This time was when I didn't really know that much about cosplay. I had no idea that there was a water park con called Colossal Con that was essentially swimsuit con. So I thought that it would just be a cool idea to try something different with the characters and see if we can pull it off which we certainly did like a lot of people got that we were Thompson sisters just in bikinis essentially mostly because we stuck with the basic color palette and stripey design and then their signature hat because you can't go without the hat that's their big detailed piece that really defines them I think and swimsuits tend to go in one direction versus PG cosplay. 
Where do you draw the line? With swimsuits and PG, well, first of all, like most of my content is generally pretty PG. There's a lot of cosplayers who do lots of lewd things. I tend to not really do lewd things. I like to choose characters that are either super cute or really badass. So I don't feel like I'm very lewd about it. But there are some cosplayers who do the more revealing, especially with swimsuits. Swimsuits are pretty revealing. So it's pretty interesting taking in the cons sometimes. You have to be careful. Stick with groups, depending on like where you are because you do get attention but with the whole swimsuit thing I feel like my Deathclaw was one of my quote unquote sexier cosplays me personally I don't show too much skin but like when I do I usually add a lot of detail to it and I focus on putting on more accessories making it more detailed making it more identifiable to be that character and also around this time you did something that's probably a little bit more formal and probably a little bit more PG where did a Starfire cosplay. Don't even remind me of the shame that it's the Starfire dress. So that costume is made entirely out of spandex. So I did the Starfire, the regular outfit, and I was really inspired by her wedding dress in one of the episodes. But I didn't want it to be a wedding dress. I wanted it to be just a formal dress just so I could wear it to Cassie formal ball years ago. And I bought way too much purple spandex for my original costume because I didn't know how to plan out the yardage that I needed for the costume. So I bought probably like four yards of purple spandex fabric. And I was like, this is perfect. We can use this to make the dress. So I sewed that sucker up and it looked great. But looking back at it now, I'm just like, what was I thinking doing it all in spandex? The corset was even in spandex. It was kind of ridiculous. But interesting cosplay build that I've done. That one, I need to go back and redo it. Starfire is great. Like, I love her personality and everything i'm tempted to ask and i'm going to how was this received actually people loved it i remember specifically one well-known cosplayer came up to me and was like i love your dress it looks so pretty can i get a selfie with you this is amazing you never see people who wear starfire's wedding-ish dress so very excited to see the costume so i would say the costume was very very well received i think where my my criticism is coming is because I made it so I'm very critical of myself because I'm a perfectionist and I've taken classes so I know what fabric to use for a dress certainly it looked great but I'm just like what was I doing with my life but I'm certainly glad that everyone seemed to like it it was definitely worth the build and now to talk about something that you're probably way more known for than other cosplays that you've done, which is from Borderlands 2, which is Tiny Tina. What's the story behind this one? I got into Borderlands three or four years ago, and I fell in love with Tina because she's this wild, crazy child with explosions and chocolate chip cookies and all the great things. And I had to be her. So I made the costume once. Very plain. I threw a bunch of stuff together. I sewed it up. I hot glued some seams because I was super lazy and I went to the con and I had a tea set and I decided I'm gonna have a tea party. And I had people sit down with me and have tea. I hooked up with the Borderlands cosplay group and I found out that they were essentially what got me into wanting to do more Borderlands at cons because I just fell in love with how accepting they were. I felt like we've been friends forever even though we just met. It was crazy. They're probably the reason why I've done 10 Borderlands cosplays and is why I have redone my Tina cosplay three or four times now because I'm crazy and I love this group. 
And yes. now you met up with the Borderlands character group, mm-hmm. and then you cosplayed with them, you walked around with them, and then at a few conventions, you won a few group awards, for lack of a better word here, mm-hmm. and you also won some individual awards at other cons. What is this like for you, considering that you're being recognized for how accurately you're depicting the character and the effort you put into your cosplay of that character? It's really encouraging. The reason I love competing is when I compete, I don't really expect to win because I'm really there to one show off my costume and two to meet the cosplayers who are competing because let's be real like there's a lot of cosplayers there that I probably would never have talked to unless if I went and competed and what's really nice about being backstage with these people is you can socialize with them and they're generally really talented and you can learn a lot from them I've learned so much from just being backstage and talking with them about that they put into their costumes that they're competing with. But going up on stage and being all Tina and yelling about cookies and things, I super enjoy because it feels really good to be recognized and have people cheer for you or call out Tina and that kind of thing. So it pushes me to want to take my costumes to the next level, take the knowledge that I've learned from my fellow contestants and apply that to my future costume so I can continue to grow as a cosplayer. And sticking with Borderlands, we got to talk about Fiona. What's the story behind this one? Speaking of Fiona, I love her. I love the Borderlands series. And when Telltale Games released Tales from the Borderlands, I fell in love with that game. And I thought it would be great to do Fiona. And my sister thought it would be great to do Reese. So we made those costumes and took them to cons. Really love to do those cosplays because they're just so dorky. Especially with Reese. Reese is such a dork and that's why I love him. And then Fiona's just like, really Reese? And then Bodge just there with his ukulele. But that's ironic that you brought it up because seriously, I just have my gun printed. So now let's talk about that because that seems fun to talk about. When you 3D print a gun, how do you go about building that and making sure it's accurate? And walk me through that because I'm curious about that. Well, 3D printing is still something that's new to me. Right now, actually, a good friend of mine has a 3D printer and he's been putting in the documents and printing them out so that we can have props for cons like the Diva gun and the Diva headset and the Kree gun and like all types of things. But something that's really cool about 3D printing is the community. There's actually a website called Thingiverse. You can go onto that and there are files for different types of props. Like for instance, the McCree gun. So you can go online, look up McCree gun. And of course, some models will come up and you just download the file and you put it into, I believe it's called a slicer. And you plug that into your 3D printer and you print it. So it's really cool. And then it prints forever. And I can't wait. But I have to wait 10 hours just to print the struggles. And obviously, your Fiona is getting a remake, but you also did a variant of your original Fiona, mm-hmm. which was more swimsuits. Yeah, swimsuits! Like, I love swimsuits, because with swimsuits, I can knock them out, like, in one to two weeks, depending on how complex they are. But the Fiona swimsuit, I wanted to do more Borderlands. This is when I figured out that there was a water park con, so I decided, let's do a Borderlands swimsuit. And I thought Fiona would be the coolest to do. 
And I also thought that a sarong would look nice with the costume. And of course, I wanted it to have the plaid, triangly look to it. And I couldn't really find fabric that fit that. So I bought regular chiffon and I sharpied it for a really long time. I think it was one and a half yards of fabric that I sharpied. Took me forever to do lots of sharpies, lots of probably getting high off sharpies. <laughs> and then it bled all over my leg, which was interesting. And people thought that I had a really bad sunburn. But the costume was great to wear. Amazingly, all my line work stayed on besides the wonderful sharpies that I slaved over. And now you've attended several conventions doing Borderland cosplays individually and as a group. And in that process, you've done a few photo shoots as well as you've taken many fan photos with people. How do fans react to your cosplays both in person and on social media, in particular with Borderlands? Oh my gosh, I love the community, especially with Borderlands. It's the reason why I have done so many. Generally, it's pretty well received, especially within the geeky community who know about cosplay and that kind of thing. So thankfully, it's been really, really positive, which is why I do so much of it. On another side of things, I have posted some of my Borderlands work at places like Imgur. And of course, sometimes you get the angry trolls and people who are like, why are you cosplaying this? You're too old. But there's just so few within the whole mass that is all positive that I don't really think that much about. Because there's just so much good within the community that we have. And now to talk about another good franchise, which is Pokemon. So, we're going to talk about your first Pokemon cosplay, which was from the original, which was an Eevee. Oh my god, I love that Pokemon. Well, this is another costume that I was peer pressured to do it. Because they were going to do a little skit at NekoCon, and they were each the evolution. So we had Flareon, Espeon, Umbreon, Vaporeon. We had them all. Well, when I did that costume, we competed. We did this cute skit, and we actually won something for best performance. which was super cute. But I love her because I kind of connect to the derpiness of Evie and how she's just so little. And I feel like I don't want her to evolve. And, of course, in the skit, we were like, let's have them all try to make Evie to evolve. And I'm just like... Like, no, I don't want to fall, but I like stop off stage. It was really a cute costume. I super enjoyed making and being her. And that was about the first time that I was working with thermoplastic. So it was really a cool experience for me. And now enough about Evie, because I don't really care about Evie anymore. I'm kidding, everybody. Evie, Evie's so cute! I'm kidding, everybody. But I really want to talk about one of the starter Pokemons that you did, which was Mudkip. Well, you see, the inspiration behind that costume was I saw Mudkip as a derp. So I was like, I got to make this costume as derpy as possible. So that's why I chose to do the floaties, because I felt like Mudkip would have floaties, because they're just so derpy. But they're so cute. It worked so well with the costume. And the perfect cosplay to pair Mudkip up with is your little sister from Bioshock. That one was an adventure. The little sister from Bioshock. That one was fun to do. Like, I love the Bioshock series. Like, that's probably like one of the top games that I've ever played. Like, it's just so good. So, of course, I had to do the little sisters. A lot of makeup, a lot of spandexy tights that I have to, like, sew between my fingers. But that costume was great because that one was one of my scarier costumes. I don't generally do a lot of scary things. Usually most of my costumes were cute during that time, so doing the little sister was pretty different. 
for me. But with that costume, I made it around Halloween. And I remember like getting ropes to be part of a haunted house and scare people as a little sister. And then I would go to the bridge tunnel thing that was outside the haunted house. And I would scare people who were coming in by just standing at the end of the tunnel, which is pretty freaking hilarious. But yeah, the little sister is a joy to cosplay. And this cosplay was featured in Women vs. Cosplay. What was oh, that yeah. experience like for you? That was crazy because I've never been featured in a published or printed material. So being published in that calendar was a really big deal for me. I was really amazed that I got accepted because I was like, I'm this new cosplayer and I am in a calendar now. This is awesome. The picture was one that we did back at NecoCon and I actually got into a fountain while it was pouring rain to get it done. So we went to extraordinary measures to get the photo. Completely and totally worth it because it turned out incredible. I can see why it was chosen. Like it looked beautiful. It just screamed Bioshock. But yeah, being in the calendar, wow, that was something else. (laughs) And now before we get into your final cosplay, which is Ruby Rose, I want to talk about your Deathclaw as well as your Nightingale from Skyrim. What's the deal with those two? I love both Skyrim and Fallout. So of course I had to do something from those series with Skyrim. I love stealth. I usually play the stealthy character. So of course I did the Thieves Guild and I absolutely loved it. And when you get the Nightingale stuff at the end, I'm just like, this is great. This is me. I have to do it. So of course I chose that for my first cosplay and I've recently redone it because I'm so in love with the character and the creation process of the costume. So done it again because it's just so great. And then with the Deathclaw, I love Fallout. And around the time that I was making that costume, I was playing Fallout 4 as often as I could. I specifically like the Deathclaws. I think they're a really cool type of creature that's in the game. And eventually I would like to do a full-on Deathclaw. The big giant ones, you get stilts and that kind of thing. Make a sign that says free hugs and just walk up to people with my giant claws and be like, rawr, that's a goal of mine. But I thought it would be cool to do like a swimsuit version and combine it with essentially the Deathclaw gauntlet, which was a combination of the Fallout 4 design and the Fallout New Vegas design for the gauntlet because they're both a little different, but we took different parts of it and made the design more of a mesh between the two games. And then, of course, like I wanted to have the swimsuit be Vault-Tec suit, but bikini version. And how were they received? Really well. I know the first time that I wore my Nightingale, I pretty much couldn't move around the con. Not because of my mobility, because my mobility was pretty great. Because the first time I did the Nightingale, that was actually all pleather, so I was pretty mobile. But me and my sister both got stopped for photos constantly. Like, we got to a point where we had to hold the same pose for like five to ten minutes because everyone wanted photos. So it was extremely well received. Same thing with my most recent upgraded Nightingale. So many photos and a lot of positivity, especially online. With the Death Club, one same thing went to the water park con lots of photos got stuck at the wave pool for a good period of time just doing photos that kind of thing and what surprised me with the death claw was people actually got what my costume was especially since this was a character that i essentially kind of built was more of my own character instead of something that was based off of something specific like a specific character like hancock or like nick valentine this is more so something like a custom lone survivor type of character so now the final cosplay i want to talk about and i know we're missing some of them here is ruby from ruby ruby so 
why Ruby out of the four, what drew you to her character, and there are three others that we're not going to talk about because, well, they're not Ruby. Actually, funny story about Ruby. When Ruby first came out, I saw the trailer. I loved her. She was pretty great. I did want to cosplay her, but during the time, everybody was cosplaying her, and I felt I wouldn't do a good job. I felt I couldn't pull her off, so I was too scared to do it for a really long time. And I remember trying to connect to somebody else, and I was like, maybe I could do Neo. Neo's pretty cool. Not a lot of people do her. I could do it. But then, this is around the time that Volume 4 came out years later and I saw the design for Ruby and I re-fell in love with Ruby. Like her personality is essentially me. We're both extremely hyper and we're both essentially the same. So of course I had to do her and I loved her volume 4 design so I wanted to do that especially because it also proposed a challenge for me because it was like corset making which I was still kind of new to so I was just like this has to happen and of course now I have like a billion Rubies now because I can't stop cosplaying her. Yeah let's talk about some of those. So let's start with the swimsuit ruby because I love swimsuits. So let's go there. Well, that one was made for ColossalCon last year when I got super addicted to cosplaying ruby. Like I was like, I gotta do a cute little ruby swimsuit. And I had a friend of mine draw up the design and I started to build it and I had the wonderful idea to add a sarong, which is always wrong. Because I decided that I was going to sew a hundred some rose petals to it, which was a lot of work because it's all hand sewing and ridiculous. And of course, I had some kind of suspended in air because I had it attached to like a clear string. So that was an interesting mess considering that most of them tangled. And when I got to the con, I lost a lot because I was in the water. So I was like, oh yeah, that Ruby cosplayer was here because there's all these rose petals in the pool. But I think the days that I did that costume at Colossal Con were probably one of the best times ever because I met some of the most amazing people and that costume was so great because it just helped me meet so many awesome people who I still talk to to this day who are like my best friends. And then the other Ruby cosplay you did was Christmas Ruby. With present Rose. Get it? Present Rose? It's a pun. Yang would be proud. But yeah, I made that for a con that was in December and I saw work by Mojo Jojo Jojo on Twitter and I thought that it would be cool to like recreate that so I went online I got the base for the dress and then I built on top of it so I took out parts and I replaced uh, like little trim work and I put in the petticoats I've added sleeves and I made Zai muffs which were pretty cute which is essentially ear muffs with Zai's face on it because let's be real Ruby would have that and then the scythe was completely last minute i remember starting the project and a friend of mine was like we could do present wrap props and i was like i don't want to start this unless if i know i can get this weekend off for this con and i got the weekend off for the con so i was like okay we're doing it so it just happened so i have present bros now which is fantastic so we're gonna backtrack and fast forward at the same time so now you have had three rubies, possibly four, depending on how we're going to count. And you've had two variants, from my understanding, the Pretty swimsuit much, yeah. and the Christmas ruby. What were the challenges in developing the original ruby and then adding the variants of ruby into the mix? 
Challenges with the variants with Christmas Ruby. That design was pretty well known because Mojo Jojo is like super well known throughout the Ruby community. So people obviously got that that was Ruby. I think I had the biggest challenge when I did Ruby Lands, which is actually a crossover that I've done, which is Ruby and Borderlands. I decided to do this crossover because both have guns and guns are like the thing. So I thought it would be a good idea to combine Ruby and Gage because I feel like those two characters would work so well together. They both build things. They're both pretty punky in their style. They're both very similar. And I think the biggest challenge with that was trying to come up with something that was identifiable to both characters. So I had to work in both characteristics and different things from each franchise to make it work. So for instance, for the costume, what I decided to do was generally have the basic look. Well, like the gauge jacket, the gauge skirt and boots and like whatever. Well, instead of being gauge colors, which more so with Ruby. But yeah, like I would definitely say the most challenging thing was coming up with that design and having enough characteristics of both characters to allow people to get it like right away that that's what I was trying to do. Thankfully, when I debuted the costume, people got it and you're doing Ruby engaged and like there's no question about it. So I did my job. I'm so glad how well received it was. And now how do you deal with other Rubies? I embrace them with love and friendship because I love Ruby so much. That's the biggest reason why I do community events because I want to meet people. I want to give people a space where they can come together and make new friends. And with the community gatherings and that kind of thing, I really like doing those because it's more laid back. You can really be yourself. You can come and have cookies and share with people and that kind of thing. So we really all embrace each other and make new friends and that kind of thing. I love to meet new people. So those gatherings are pretty pretty great reasons why i do cookie parties at like every event that i go to and now to back out of ruby and i think we should bring it up because we mentioned it a few times you and your sister share a social media account you've cosplayed together i think you're in different areas now (laughs) what's the deal with what you two have done and what you're doing and all that fun stuff just to give you a quick plug on that and keep everybody informed well what we started off doing was we chose groups and we cosplayed that together so we both did the nightingale together we did liz and patty from soul eater together we've done reese and fiona from borderlands together we've done raven and starfire together we've done a lot together And that's how it generally started out. Although, like, as time went on, things changed. I had to move away for college. So we could not work on things together for quite some time because I was miles away from her. So instead, we'd do Skype calls, that kind of thing. We'd still socialize and we still went to cons together occasionally. Sometimes doing the same cosplay, sometimes doing different ones because we both like different things. Right now, she's in school. Now, I'm done with school, and she's even further from me. So it makes it really hard, but we still try to stay in touch and do calls or Skype things and whatnot, keep each other in the loop of what we're doing. We do cosplay when we can, but lately with her, she's really focusing on school, which she should be doing, so she hasn't really had a lot of time to actually build cosplays, but she certainly is there for support and like that kind of thing. And I think that's really important, especially with a team, is supporting each other. So... We're still best buddies. It's still pretty great. And now I think that's a perfect jumping off point because we just spoke about a lot of your cosplays and not all of them. I know that I missed a few. I'll give you a chance to plug whatever you want in one second, but I'm very curious what advice you have for people who want to get into cosplay. Biggest advice I have, don't be afraid to cosplay something. Cosplay is for everybody. It's 
not supposed to be a competition. You should be cosplaying for yourself. It doesn't matter if you buy, if you modify, if you hand make your entire costume. Everybody can cosplay. You don't have to have a degree in costuming or prop making. If you want to cosplay, just do it. Don't be afraid to be new at it because everyone starts out new. And if you like are worried that, oh, your costume's going to suck, don't. You put time. You put a lot of effort into that piece. Just doing it, that's a big accomplishment. Not a lot of people have the determination to do that. So being determined enough to go and just start cosplay, that's a really brave and awesome act. And if you don't like it, redo it. There's nothing stopping you. But like I guarantee you, starting your first costume, most people are pretty proud of it. So just jump into it. You have nothing to lose. And then finally, before we go, I'd like to give you a chance to promote yourself. If you have a website, Twitter, Facebook. You can follow me at Labanac on Instagram. On Facebook, it's Labanac and Mangaloo Cosplays. Twitch, it's LM Cosplays. Twitter, also LM Cosplays. As always, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. And we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio, and anywhere else where you listen to your podcasts. And while you wait for next week's episode, you can definitely check us out at popanimecomics.com for articles relating to anime, comics, and pop culture, as well as give us a follow on Twitter at popanimecomics, and give our Facebook page a like, that is popanimecomics, because you never know what type of contests you will find there, as well as what type of discounts on certain products you will find there. And until next week, everybody, have a wonderful week.